Hey, what's going on? This is uh, Jeremy Thone, Marketing Director of 3PL Systems and host of 3PL Live. I'm excited to interview Margot Waldi. She is the Business Development Manager over at Dart Enterprises. We kind of get into how Margot got into the transportation industry as all of her friends were getting into more glamorous industries. She got her start over at Conway Independable, where they taught her spin selling and Sandler, Sandler methods. We also talk about the basics of fulfillment, WMS systems and the tech stack in regards to the fulfillment industry. I hope you enjoy. For everyone that doesn't actually know you, do you mind introducing yourself? Totally. So I'm a business development director and I've worked in the supply chain for over 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, transportation (laughs) or warehousing. Very cool. Yeah, you're a veteran at 15 years. You've you've been in the industry for quite a while. Have you seen a lot of changes too over like the past five years? It seems to me like I was in the industry five years previously. And I left, kind of worked at some other tech companies and whatnot. And it seemed like the industry had changed quite a bit over the last five years. Were you noticing that as well? or Totally. And, you know, I think in regards to the industry and respect for that industry in itself, totally. And then I think too, you know, in regards to women in the industry, there's been so many changes. So it, it's been awesome to see, see the industry evolve. No, totally. How did you get into the the whole supply chain? I know that you probably got a couple degrees and whatnot, and then you, after school, ended up working at your first company, a, a common carrier. How did it all go down? So I wanted to get into a business development program. I thought that my heart was set on HR. Mm-hmm. I applied via MonsterTrack to a couple places. And Conway Freight at the time had a really interesting business development program. And so I thought, okay, why not interview? A lot of my friends were going into retail or cosmetics, more glamorous industries. Sure, yeah. But I thought, why not try it out? The program sounded enticing, and it was kind of exactly what I was looking for. And so when I went on my interview, I was totally impressed. And we ended up extending the interview and going to lunch. And I was sold at that point. I loved the lunch. I loved the entertaining. I loved what I had learned about the company and the different roles that I could explore there. That's really interesting too. There was a, like a lack of sexiness in the freight industry for a while, but it seems like it came full circle and like there's so much like venture money in it now that it's actually kind of become sexy in itself. So it's like you were early on, which is interesting because like you had the foresight ahead of time to actually see that. I kind of felt that way as well because I was just like, people would always be like, oh, you're in the freight industry. That sounds so boring. I think it's actually really interesting. To be able to work with different partners in retail, it's it's, it's amazing to learn their processes because essentially that's what we do as a third-party logistics provider, you're invisible. You wear that culture and that uniform of whatever partner that is. So most definitely. That makes sense. And I know that you worked at Old Dominion, Conway, and then also at Dependable. Was there a lot of women in those those roles at sales at the time? Now thinking back on it, or were you kind of like 20%? what, What would you say? Yeah, about 20%. And that would cover administration as well. So in office, in house admin. Very cool. Was that weird being kind of a minority in a big group of people or, or do you kind of just were used to it? You know what? I love it. I had all brothers growing up and all my cousins that were close to me were like brothers. (laughs) I'm a daddy's girl. So I definitely feel as though I fit into uh, this environment really well. Makes sense. Yeah, that, that's awesome. And then culturally as well, were, was Old Dominion a lot different than Dependable? Or like, can you give us a little insight what it was like working at those companies? I, I really don't have any experience. 
So I would say all of them really excel at what they do and they really have a special service in each that they provide. Right. Uh, not only culturally as well, right? So you're looking at public versus private. And even though Conway and Old Dominion were both public, they operate differently. I would say that Conway raised me. They're very polished in sales. Old Dominion, operationally, uh, one of the top carriers. What did they teach you as well? Like um, like when you were first initially hired at Conway, uh, do they do they teach you like how to sell, like spin selling or anything like that? Or like, what does that look like? What do they actually like uh, help you out with? Yeah, so we learned spin selling. Um, there's definitely other methods like the Sandler method. And so the pro to being part of these big, large sales organizations is that you get exposure to these different techniques and modalities. And really, it all boils down to communication and being authentic. But the training is so fun. I always enjoyed those big meetings with all the sales teams. Did they do like role playing and stuff as well? Was it that involved or did they give you like a script at all to call people or? Yeah, there was a lot of role playing and it still kind of gives me butterflies in my stomach because, um, you know, you never know what's going to happen in these role plays, but they're essential because when you're dealing with people, you truly don't know when you're walking into a customer. So it's a solid way to practice your pitch and just really engaging with other people. You know, what's funny is I always struggled with role playing. There was a couple of times I remember actually working like at this um, mobile messaging company. It was like a kind of a tech startup. And I remember like being in there with like my VP and they're like, pitch us the product. And I was just like, I don't really know what the product does yet. And I just remember kind of like falling on my words and just being kind of like an introvert and like wanting to go in a room and hide and, you know, bang out the calls or whatever. But I never really enjoyed learning in front of people. I always like really struggled with it. I don't know if that's, you had the same experience or if it was easy for you or. Yeah, you know what? I it's funny. So at home, I'm a little bit more of an introvert. At work, I'm definitely more of that extrovert. And I've had to really hone in on who I am as a person as far as self-awareness and mindset. And then in that way, I could really focus on how to tweak my communication, whether it's verbal, nonverbal, um, so that you know. I'm ensuring that the communication, the message is received by the customer. And that's because there's so many different personalities. And really to do that, the simplest way is to just listen. Makes sense. What kind of mindset do you have when you were cold calling? I'm sure you, I don't know if you do it anymore, but like, were you like, did you schedule everything in like blocks? So you kind of just did everything all at once? Or was there like a strategy that you used in order to cold call? Because it's, it's a difficult thing to do. Yeah, you know, I think you got to look at it as a game. So I would adjust my mindset that the expectation was the worst. So the customer is going to yell at me. They're going to tell me you missed the no soliciting sign. You're not allowed to park in my parking lot, um, you know, with a raised voice and a red face. So Jeez. <laughs> it's scary. Yeah, yeah. It is. And it has happened to me, but it's rare. Um, those, you know, I would file into my sales war stories. Right. Um, but really just understanding and believing in the service that you're selling is everything. Conway provided all of us with such confidence, even Old Dominion, dependable, dart entities. Um, and that's really essential when you're going out to meet customers. You need to be confident and really believe in what you're offering that value to the partner. 
I do believe that listing is a very strong skill in selling. Have you done anything to, I have to slow down sometimes to like listen to people. Is there anything that you've done to help yourself with that at all? Is like, because you'd mentioned that a second ago, like listening. So do you always have that skill or is it something you've honed in on? Yeah, you know what? I've always had this innate uh, love and curiosity for people. Sure. So I've always been a good listener. The thing I've had to work on is when I get excited in communicating to just slow down because sometimes, you know, when you get excited and you're moving in a fast pace, you know, you might miss things. So it's really important to just kind of breathe and and be present. Yeah, being present is obviously super key, like in anything you do. And I think that a lot of the times too, customers will tell you how to sell them and like what to say. And it's basically just like, oh, you mean this, this and that? Okay, cool. Yeah, we can make that happen. And I think they feel heard and then it, it makes everything kind of go more smoothly. Also, I wanted to talk to you a little bit, like when you were working at one of these common carriers, like what like was a typical day, like at like Dependable say, like what, like from like eight o'clock the morning till five or whatever like what did that look like oh my goodness so so much fun i you know do national sales now so i do some traveling this past year was a little bit different but love being in the field love meeting new people so a typical day i would go into the office about three times a week in the morning spend maybe a couple hours max there catching up on admin maybe adjusting any plans last minute appointments and then i was in the field And normally you would be doing anywhere between eight to 12 calls. They were always kind of mixed. There might be days where I would do a cold call blitz and just cold call the whole day. And so that's when you're really increasing your calls per day in those moments. You know, the typical longer QBR type of presentations, service report reviews, those would technically go over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. So your calls might be lower that day. Makes sense. And then were they all planned out ahead of time or were like they like kind of you just show up type of thing? Okay. So I would say 90% are planned unless you're doing cold calls. Um, it's always important to make sure that that person has the available time for you and that you're respecting their time. Um, I was really big on that. So it's really important to pre-plan and um, have all your appointments in line. What kind of tools were they using back then too? Was it like Salesforce or was it like a CRM? So I've used a couple in-house CRMs. I've used Salesforce. It's awesome. I really like most of the CRMs. I would say Salesforce was one of my favorite. It's just neat. You can log, organize, and really review the things that you did in the past, pivot, and maybe change things that you're going to do in the future. Makes sense. Yeah, my dad actually started a third-party logistics company back in like 1991. So he's been in the industry for quite a while. He used to work at like a common carrier back in the day. But I don't know anything about fulfillment. Like that, it's like something that I'm literally just like know nothing about. So I w- I'd love for you to kind of give me an idea of like what fulfillment is and like what a typical use case is for fulfillment. Let me start with telling you a little bit about Dart. Dart started was founded by a legendary baseball coach. Rod Dato. Uh, he coached USC. He coached the Olympics. Um, I'm a modder for me. <laughs> yes, it's yeah. awesome. So yeah. I, this is meant to be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. so, he, so he was a coach. And then how long ago did he start Dart? So it was started in 1938. And he took his $500 wow. signing bonus to start Dart Automotive Repair and Transit. Yeah, that's a mouthful, but you you handled that pretty well. I, I would definitely trip on my words if I had to say that. But Dart is it's a cool name and it's been around for a while. So what what exactly do you guys do over at Dart? I noticed that you had a bunch of warehouses on your site. Totally. So we have 17 locations. Uh, we're gonna actually open three this year, and we're in 11 states. And we have a property development division 
and a warehouse fulfillment division and a transportation division. Wow. We really wanted that turnkey solution for the customer and they really benefit when they're utilizing the portfolio of all of our services, um, you know, to maximize not only visibility, but to reduce cost. Makes sense. And getting back to fulfillment, like what would you say that the fulfillment, like what, what's like a, a use case for it and like what is it exactly for those people that don't know? Yeah, so third-party logistics. Basically what it is, is it's outsourcing all of your supply chain processes. It's taking and integrating your warehouse operation with your transportation services. Makes sense. And then is like Amazon, like when I think of fulfillment, I think of like Amazon pulling some stuff like off a shelf and then sending it to me in some warehouse with like maybe a robot, maybe it's like a person. Is that kind of what happens in one of these dart warehouses for your customers? Totally. It's really cool too to watch. I mean, you could totally geek out on it. And I know that um, we were going to talk about warehouse management systems, yep. um, you know, the WMS and really that satisfies all the customer requirements, the on-demand requirements, and it runs the business. So really what it's doing is it's supporting and managing your processes. So all of your available resources, uh, labor management, equipment, inventory accuracy, and integrity. And that's everything. Makes sense. Uh, it's cool because it's like all real-time features. And so it even has things like slotting optimization. What is I that know. exactly? I don't even have, I don't have a clue what slotting optimization is, but it sounds interesting. Yeah, no. So it's really neat because what it's doing is slotting is allocating product to a location. Mm. And if you can optimize and get it to move faster, you're shortening the fulfillment cycle and you're maximizing throughput. So it's mm. really good for everybody. And it's kind of like you would use a WMS if you needed a more mature system and Excel isn't currently handling all of that traceability. So is the WMS mainly just kind of, is the main function of it like inventory? Would that be kind of like one of the main functions? A hundred percent. Are they tracking this stuff to like the SKU level usually, or is it kind of just like the pallet level or how does that all go down? Yeah, SKU, item and quantity. Wow. So it's- it's, it's denominator. <laughs> what about like when it's coming over, like on the truck, is that is that a different system or is that still part of like the WMS? Yeah, so there's going to be multiple systems involved. And, you know, we talk about tech stack. It's kind of a hot word right now. Sure. Um, so you would have a TMS for over the road. Uh, you could have a YMS, your yard management system. And so when you're pulling in hundreds of containers a day, you really need to understand where those containers are located. Empty, full, all that good stuff. So the containers like would be coming from like maybe China or something like that to like a like a yard and there might be like 50 of them. So the YMS is basically controlling all the, I guess the containers, is that kind of how it goes? Yeah, and, and we're talking hundreds of containers at some of our locations. It's pretty fabulous. With Dart, how many different systems are you guys using? What does your tech stack look like there? So we're utilizing all systems and we actually customize and even use some of our customers' systems just depending on the scope and the requirements. So like you have a WMS, a TMS, uh, do you have an ERP system, a CRM? Yeah. So all this kind of stuff. And they, do they all talk to each other as well? There's like integrations between all of them? Definitely. The CRM is not, but the other items are. Wow. That's, that's pretty wild that it all kind of goes down like that. It's pretty fascinating to hear. And then what's like a typical customer for you guys at Dart? Like, what do you guys go after? What are you looking for? Like, as far as like 
what's a couple of use cases for your services? Yeah, definitely. So our customers right now range. So we do retail, food items, parts, and it really depends what the customer needs. We work with startups and midsize as well. We love to support those businesses and help them grow and gain visibility. Uh, but typically you would see a customer of ours taking up an entire building. It might be mixed. So they might have a crosstalk facility in Atlanta. They're doing a little e-com in Naperville. And then maybe they're just doing some pallet overflow in Los Angeles. Sometimes a customer might want warehousing and sometimes they might want fulfillment. So it's, is it kind of different things like that as well? Or So usually the warehouse and fulfillment kind of ride together, okay. uh, but the difference would be that the dedicated buildings, we're going to go ahead and go in there and manage the labor and the equipment, but we don't own that building. And then some other situations would be like a multi-tenant where we own the building. Uh, there's a couple customers in that building and they all have maybe a different scope slightly. And on the ones that are multi-tenant, is it still your stuff that's like picking and packing everything and sending it all off? And then I'm assuming that like the client sells something online, right? Like through like a purchase order or something like on Amazon, say, and then someone in your warehouse goes in there and pulls it and then sends it. And then all that information is communicated back to your client. Is that kind of how it works? Totally. And you do that by the WMS. Yeah, that's that's actually really cool. I mean, it seems it seems really interesting. How many how many customers do you guys have? Really, definitely. So all of our buildings differ. Uh, we have about 15 customers in Los Angeles. Uh, Naperville has about the same amount, being that it's a large e-commerce facility. And then we have a mix of where we have maybe just one location, one customer is dedicated to. Do you guys actually handle the actual shipping as well? Like the like you actually call the carrier and then have the relationships with the carriers. That does the customer that or your customer have the relationships with the carriers? So it's somewhat of a hybrid model. Some of the customers ask us to utilize our resources. Uh, we have a transportation division also that services Southern California. And then they also, some models you'll see, they will provide us a routing guide and tell us, okay, you know, here's our top five carriers for ocean, air, whatever modality they're using. What is a routing guide exactly? I know I've heard the term routing guide before, but for those people that don't know what that is, what is it? So it's basically like how you route all of your freight. So typically customers will have maybe two to three options for LTL, truckload, and ocean, depending on whatever lanes that they're servicing, what the product looks like, and how it's moving. So is it like a map that's like, hey, if you're moving from California to like the East Coast, here's your options type of thing? And it's like a big matrix of all this information? Totally. That sounds kind of like a complicated thing that they have to put together. So is it mainly the shippers that are putting these together or? Yeah. So some of them do. So some of our customers come with, um, you know, their format, you know, relative to the modalities that they use and who they want to use. And then some of them say, hey, I know you guys have tight relationships with these transportation companies. Um, can you help me out? Makes sense. And then what, what sort of, are you guys using like EDI and API? What's some of the technology that you guys are using for, I guess, visibility? Yeah, of like the products and the tracking of the shipments. Yeah, all of that, all of that. Yeah, I, that you know, I, it, it's necessary. I do know that there's some big fish that uh, somewhat use a more manual type of uh, process. And I believe that's because the analogy I'll use is about it's easier to turn a speedboat than it is a cruise ship. So we are seeing some customers, partners kind of go through that, you know, change. And, and it's great. It's wonderful to be able to work with them through that. 
It's interesting. So there is there still kind of some larger players in the industry that are kind of still using like spreadsheets and whatnot instead of like actual systems just because they're too big to change? Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Yeah. And, you know, it's crazy because the WMS really provides transparency through the receivement, the put away and the picking. And so oftentimes you won't necessarily get that from Excel being that it's not as mature as a WMS. Yeah, that's interesting. It makes sense. I think that a lot of the times in any sort of industry, it's always like the status quo that sometimes competes against the you know tech stack or whatever technology. Because I think a lot of times people just don't want to change and they're like, hey, like I'm successful. I've made money and I've made money doing this. So why do I need to change? But it's interesting. Like I also want to ask you too, like the, it seems too like the, I don't know if you feel this way as well, but it seems like the the freight industry is a little bit of a laggard as far as tech goes. And it seems like it's catching up slowly now, but it seems like no, like EDI is from like the seventies. Right. And it seems like now more people like project 44 is using like APIs. And it seems like that is kind of heading towards this kind of movement or whatever. But I was just wondering, do you, do you kind of see the same thing? Is it kind of seem like a little bit antiquated, but it seems like more players are coming in like convoy to disrupt everything. Yeah, most definitely. And, you know, you have to remember too, these tech stacks are, they're somewhat new. Um, they've been evolving and, Really, when you're trying to tailor a WMS to a scope of work, uh, there's a lot of work behind that. So I think that, you know, there's a little bit of fear and hesitancy because you're really on taking um, a huge, huge project when you change your software. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I went, I was working at a company as a rep and we changed our TMS system. It was hard at first, you know, those were some of the hardest sales calls that I've ever been through. And so going through that, and especially as, you know, a leader in your industry, you really want to make sure that, that that's doing your due diligence and, and it's planned to a T. Makes sense. Why was it hard? Just out of curiosity, was it because there was a learning curve for the new TMS and that's, it was hard kind of presenting it with the customer just out of curiosity? So um, internally, uh, freight would get lost, uh, freight uh, would sit on a dock and um, you couldn't locate it. So it was just like missing? Was that something that was just like a, a human error though? Or was it kind of just like the TMS wasn't working properly? So I would say it was the TMS and the support of the TMS after implementation. And so that's big when you're looking to, um, you know, add to your tech stack, create a tech stack, you really need to make sure that you have support when everything goes live. I mean, it's huge because when your dock is full, it's like getting a pig out of a python. It's, you know, it's <laughs> Yeah, no, I get that. I think that, you know, if you have support in whatever software that you're using, you definitely need someone to support you. Like I was actually just using a software program called SurveyMonkey to create some survey. I've actually never used it, but I was having some issues with logging in and like the email wasn't coming back to me and you can't call anyone so you can email them. But thankfully they were emailing back within like a reasonable amount of time. But I get that, like you need something that allows you to keep on pushing forward and because otherwise you're kind of just stuck, right? So yeah, I think that that part's interesting. What I also like to get, um, before we close it up, I wanted to get your thoughts on like, what's your thoughts on like digital brokers, like these big guys, like the Uber Freights, the convoys of the world, they kind of popped out of nowhere. These, you know, digital natives as they call them, like what, what, what is your thoughts on those? Do you think that they're 
going to take over or do you think that they're going to displace a lot of these smaller brokers or I, I would love to kind of just hear your input on that. So it's exciting. I think it's refreshing to see these companies emerge and take market share. I absolutely love it. I think there is a place for everyone in this this industry. I definitely do not believe they're going to take over, but I think that they will provide and are providing essential services to really, you know, connect warehouse operations with transportation services. So it's it's awesome to see this movement, this momentum in, in supply chain. And what about just out of curiosity as well? I think I've heard numbers that there's like between like, say, 8,000 to 15,000 freight brokers throughout the United States. Do you think a lot of those will consolidate over the years to like kind of bigger players, if you were to guess? Yeah, most definitely. And I think some of them might actually partner with others and collaborate. So you're going to see a lot of that too. It's changing, especially after, you know, the past year, I think, you know, people are thinking of innovative ways to really be able to be flexible and pivot when necessary. Makes sense. And then um, just closing thoughts, I'd love to get any book recommendations that you have uh, that you've liked, anything that you've learned or any books that you enjoy. Totally. So I love the first 90 days. I think it's amazing. And I highly recommend it. Is that um, for the first 90 days of a job? Is that what that's for? Yeah. And if there's any changes within your department or any company changes and kind of how you navigate through those changes um, in a positive and a way that you're contributing and bringing that culture out of that company, you really need to not only just like with a customer, listen, but really understand everything about that company and their people uh, to really be able to collaborate and um, fit in. Yeah, makes sense. So it's kind of like change management, sort of like how to adapt and like how to like work with it. Any other ones that you like? Yeah. So the other one is my absolute favorite that I just read this past year and I loaned it out to a friend. It's The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F. Oh, I like that title. It's the coolest book ever. And it's not like what you would think about, like when you when you hear or read the title, but um, it's a, it's amazing and I, I highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds fantastic. And for anyone that's listening that wants to reach out to Dart to, you know, maybe book some business, do some warehousing fulfillment, or just get in touch with you, how do they, what's the best way to reach out? My cell phone. So nice. call <laughs> 714-330-2143. Um, I'm very active on social media, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Margo Sales 101, and Clubhouse. Oh, you also have, before I forget, you have your own uh, tag as well. It was, is it Margo Cargo, was it? Cargo Marco. Nice. Yeah. Well, anyways, thank you so much for the time. That was super fun. I appreciate it, Jeremy. And I look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks for sticking around to the end. I hope you enjoyed the interview with Margo. I do like that she has branded herself Cargo Margo. I think that's fantastic. And if you need any sort of warehousing, reach out to Dart Enterprises and get a hold of them over there. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Thanks so much. Have a great day.